0: This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout
1: and the stands.
2: Liverpool won Aston Villa nil as the Reds maintain pace in the title race on Steven Gerrard's return to Anfield. The Liverpool legend received a rapturous reception on his first managerial outing at his former stomping ground, but his side settled into the trenches and made life very difficult for their opposition. Jürgen Klopp's men battled in the harsh Merseyside conditions and were failing to crack at the resolute to fill a defence. This was until Tyrone Mings bundled over Mohamed Salah in the second half and the Premier League top scorer slotted the resulting penalty. We'll have all the reaction for you here on the post-game podcast with the press conferences of Liverpool legend Steven Gerrard and current manager Jürgen Klopp, the thoughts of Liverpool echoes Ian Doyle and of course the thoughts of the fans
3: in the stands at Anfield.
0: Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
2: Well, it's all over here at Anfield, and Liverpool have secured a narrow 1 0 Premier League victory against Aston Villa. Of course, this was all about Stephen Gerrard, the uh, Villa manager, making his first return to Anfield as a, as a manager in the opposing dugout. Obviously, took over at uh, Aston Villa. Uh, last month from Dean Smith. He's had a good record so far and to be fair Villa put up a really good fight here I mean the only goal of the game was scored midway through the second half It was a penalty from uh, Mo Salah, his 21st goal in 22 appearances this season In fact Salah was the one who won it. He ran out Tyro Mings Mings fouled him, brought him to the ground and then uh, Salah put away the penalty. He did well actually to not only win it but also to not be put off by the Villa players I think there was two or three of them were trying to put him off as he was preparing to take the penalty uh, Stephen Gerrard said afterwards he wasn't too happy with the with the award of the spot kick he thinks that Tyrone Mings had actually been fouled by uh, Mohamed Salah uh, just before actually that's what made Mings fall over into Salah and give away the penalty but referee Stuart Atwell who it has to be said was exceptionally poor uh, throughout he chose uh, to give the spot kick and VAR reviewed it and uh, there was a uh, Really, to be honest, there was no doubt in our minds when we were watching it from uh, our position, we thought it was a penalty. And, uh, and that was that I mean Gerard as well he thought that Aston Villa should have had a penalty a bit later on when Danny Ings another former uh, Liverpool player who'd come on as substitute uh, for the final 20 minutes or so he was, looked as though he may have been brought down by Alisson Becker I mean that was a situation that came when a ball was played through uh, the heart of Liverpool defence Allison came out to clear it cleared it against Matip and then it, it all caused, caused all sorts of commotion and uh, Basically, Ings go, went for it, and so did Allison at the same time. And it looks as though he could have gone over his over his arm. And it, well, it was one of those where it could have been given. I'm not sure whether they thought it was a clear and obvious error from the referee to to not award the spot kick. But as I said, the officials just in general weren't particularly great. Liverpool might have got away with one there, but if they did get away with one, they probably deserved it on the strength of the performance. I mean, it wasn't absolutely brilliant. Villa did very well, certainly the first half, to limit Liverpool's opportunities. Liverpool did have chances, I mean there was an Andy Robertson header which was deflected which Emilio Martinez in the Villa Gold did quite well to save, he also saved from Salah uh, towards the uh, the end of the first half, but otherwise Liverpool they had one very good move actually where Salah dummied a pass into the path of Trent Alexander-Arnold and his shot was deflected over. Liverpool forced a lot of corners, but never really looked particularly convincing. And it has to be said we have to make mention of the conditions. Certainly in that first half it was very windy and it was raining, it was swirling, and in the first 10-15 minutes the players did struggle a little bit to come to terms with it, kind of affected Liverpool's game a little bit. Um, but in the second half whether it was coincidental or not it actually stopped raining at half-time second half there was a, you know, a better a better playing conditions and uh, Liverpool responded to that but probably also from a kick up the backside from uh, the coach and staff at half-time there was greater intensity Salah himself he he, can't, he seemed to want to take the game by the scruff of the neck and it was no surprise that it was him that won the penalty that ultimately ultimately won the game I don't think there could be any complaints over the final scoreline and Stephen Gerrard said himself afterwards he thought look Liverpool were a, a class above in the way that they kept the ball and um he couldn't really argue with the results in that respect. But, you know, say fair place to Villa. Liverpool, once they got ahead, I think the relief of just actually getting away through, kind of... It, 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 they just seemed to lack the intensity again. It's like they just, There was that kind of, as I say, relief. And they took the foot off the gas a little bit. And that allowed Villa back into the game. As I said before, they made uh, a couple of substitutions. You know, Gerard decided to go for it, brought Buendia on as well. And you know, while Villa didn't actually manage a shot on target all game, they... They did look kind of dangerous, and Liverpool, to be fair, in those closing 15 minutes, defended pretty well. There was a lot of cross into the box. Joel Matip in particular, I thought, was, was very good. They had a couple of opportunities where he did his old Matip-esque, Messi-esque running out of defence. He did one in the first half, one in the second half, where he brought it up. Oh, second half was almost up to the edge of the Villa area, so... You know that's why I decided he was Liverpool's best player on the day, closely followed by Trent and Mohamed Salah. Who, as I say, he what he did in the second half. He was the one that basically, you know, broke the game, took it away from Aston Villa, both by winning the penalty, scoring it, but also his overall play. And Liverpool, with Villa going for it, as I say, in those closing moments, they had one or two chances where they should really have won by more. Jota missed one. I think Salah, if anything, was probably a bit too. Too unselfish He could have had a shot with a, when, when the th- certainly had a three on two And he could have done a bit more And put, and put the ball away But You know Three points is three points And it's interesting That this has come on a day When both Manchester City and Chelsea Have scored narrow victories Through, uh, through penalties So it doesn't really matter how you win at this stage of the season and if you're going to win from a penalty then it's just as good as, a, as any other goal it's, it's, it still counts you've just got to make sure that you win you've got to keep the points you've got to keep on taking over and you know Jurgen Klopp said I think it was a couple of weeks ago it may have even been after the the Everton game he said he'd be quite happy with a couple of one nils and that's exactly what's happened to, to Liverpool in the, the last two Premier League games I mean, they didn't leave it as late as they did at Wolves but in the sense of the way the pattern of the game and the one team defending the other team attacking and asking the question, you know, can Liverpool actually find a way through this defence? It it very much was in the same mould as the Wolves game last week. So, you know, Liverpool, as I say, they won, Chelsea won, Manchester City won, there's no change at the top. Liverpool still second, a point behind Manchester City. Going into a game where you would expect on, on, on Thursday against Newcastle to a bit more of the same, although it must be said, Aston Villa are a better team than than Newcastle United. And just one just one final word on on Steven Gerrard. He got a nice round of applause when he came out, and then about six, seven, eight minutes into the game, Liverpool fans started chanting his uh, his song, and but then after that they went straight into a Liverpool song, which they they sang with you know renewed gusto. We know there was no doubting where their allegiances were. And uh, just a, as a slight aside, at the end of the game, after everybody had gone, uh, we, we spotted uh, Gerard was on the pitch. He was—he he, kind of went over and hugged with, I think it was Joe Gomez. He was in a big, big chat with Jordan Henderson. Danny Ings was there as well, Trent as well. And then he he sought out Jurgen Klopp and, and gave him a bit of a hug, hug too. So, well, you know, knowing, knowing Steven, he uh, he won't be very happy at the way that that you know they, they lost the game after Villa. He would be pleased with the fact that they
0: post-game
4: podcast on the Blood Red
3: channel. Hi, Stephen. Hello. Uh, do you think you should have had a penalty there at the end yeah. with Danny Ings? I thought we had a decent show for one, yeah. There's certainly contact from, from Alison on Danny Ings, and if, if you follow it past that for a second or two, there's a, there's a two-hand shove um, on Ollie Watkins as well. We thought that certainly deserved the referee and VAR to take a more closer look. And... Um, it looked like they wanted to move on very quickly from it, from our point of view. But look, um, ultimately, ultimately, we've, we've lost the game uh, to a penalty shot in the other box that we believe was a foul on Tyrone first as well. So feel harsh on, on both incidents, but penalty box to penalty box today, Liverpool were, were clearly a better team than us.
2: Is that the frustration
0: that you perhaps didn't show a bit more going going forward or, or a bit sooner
3: perhaps? Well, look, we tried to get the balance right and I thought we'd done an extremely good job to contain Liverpool for large periods of the game. I think you can be too gung-ho against these type of teams too early and you can be hit for a scoreline that doesn't help um, anyone, especially at this time, so early into the job. So the plan was to try and take it to the latter stages and then throw more... Uh, more players added from the side, the likes of Danny Ings and Buendia and get more of our attacking players um, on the pitch. But we'll certainly analyse it moving forward and I'll certainly look at myself as to whether I should have done that earlier. Um, But the penalty instance was a setback for us and um, what we didn't want to do is uh, go too gung-ho too early and get it for a big scoreline. Thanks
4: Steve.
3: Anyone else?
2: Ashley, on you go, please. Hi, Stephen. I, I thought he was excellent today. And was he disappointed with that, that penalty shot? Did he feel hard done by there?
3: Yeah, we do. We, we've we analysed the incident after the game and there's there's a foul on Tyrone before. I think the foul on Tyrone uh, makes him stumble in, in into Salah. So, yeah, we do feel hard done by. But it is what it is. We have to accept it. We have to have to move forward and we have to react and try and bounce back against Norwich. I thought defensively we were very sound for the majority of the game. Um and to lose it to a penalty is is going to be a bit harsh. But you could still see clearly that Liverpool at a level above at times. We need to keep the ball better for longer periods. And um, you know, moving forward, hopefully I can throw more uh ambitious players on uh when we're playing this level of opposition and, and be a bit more bold and ambitious that's the plan once we get to a level when we can do that
2: yeah was in the camera tactical to bring off or the people slot a
3: bit of both he, he's obviously on a yellow card so we felt like he couldn't be um as aggressive as we would like him you know he's been superb for us so far but he's been snapping into tackles and into the press what we didn't want to do is go to 10 men um he was a bit he was a little bit on a tight rub, he'd also made another foul after the yellow card. And um, we felt like we weren't playing enough football as well. So it was probably a combination of the two or three different things to be honest. Um, I thought Morgan was really good when he came on and um I thought Dougie, in terms of the football we played, was around the best bits that we did put together.
2: Just one one away from the guy, mate. He's not see Trezeguet guy back on, on the bench. Just how, how hard has he worked to get get himself here now? Ironic at the place where he did his knee, but how how's he been on behind the scenes?
3: Uh, listen, he's happy. He's, he's in a decent place. Obviously disappointed that the team haven't got a result like all of us, but he got injured here eight months ago and we felt it was really important that he could come back to this stadium and um, really be involved with the team today. He's obviously worked extremely hard before we've come in the door. And um, in the last four weeks, we've seen a real professional player who wants to do more and go above and beyond to get back to the level he was at prior to the injury. So. Um, We'll keep trying to build his fitness up. He needs games, he needs training, and um, it'll take time before that level comes back. But we obviously wanted to reward him for all our hard work today. Guys, we'll go Richard, Carol and Dominic, please. And then after that, we'll take some questions for the Monday. So Richard, if you're ready, on you go, please. Right, we'll go. Caro, if you don't
2: mind, you can go while we're waiting in Richard. Okay. Hi, Stevie. Hello. I, I know you said before the game you were coming here being professional and taking all the sentimentality out of it, but, but how did you feel walking out there and we almost pleased to get it over with now? Uh,
3: listen, when you take a job um, in the Premier League, you, you have to understand that you're going to have these days. And um, I understand there's a lot of emotion around it for myself and my family. I had to accept that and try and deal with it in the best possible way I could. I tried to do that. And tried to focus on Aston Villa and make sure that was the priority. Uh, very respectful and um, thankful for the reception that I got. But I think that was normal and natural because I'd spent so many years here as a player, give many years of my life to this football club. Um, not just the 17 years when I played from the from the age of eight. So I think it was normal that there was going to be emotion for me uh, personally. But I tried to deal with it in the most professional way I could. Thank you. Dom, on you go, please if you can.
4: Yes, yeah, Stephen. Um, you know, at half time when you um the 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 crowd growling and it was nil nil. Did you think? Did you think you were halfway there, or was it the the challenge of them keeping coming at you? Or did, asking you more questions. That you know, you're always having to think on your feet to 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 try and keep the frustration going. Listen, I
3: think in terms of the game plan, Don, it wasn't um, it wasn't the right thing to come here and pick a team that was too ambitious and too bold because you have to respect the quality and the level that Liverpool are playing at. Now, we knew that in terms of the game plan, especially coming here at Anfield, I know more than most that you have to get through the first half an hour. You have to get through when the crowd are at the best, when Liverpool energy levels are high, when the pressing year really froze and they're also superb and dangerous in transition. We had to get to the half an hour mark. we have done that extremely well by doing a decent containing job. Um, we had two really interesting moments in general play, the other end, um, down the side of, of Matup. But in general play, we needed to be a bit more better in possession. But getting to half-time, nil-nil, was the first part of the job done, if you like. Then it was, can we get to around 60, 65 minutes? The penalty incident's obviously a big setback for us. But even still, we wanted Liverpool to become nervous, to, to take more risks and then take it into the latter stages where we could throw more ambition at it and um, players that are a bit more creative and dangerous. Um, and that's what we tried to do.
0: The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
2: Hi, oh, Jürgen, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, thanks, Jürgen. You thought on how Villa lined up today and how Villa played? I'm, I'm the opposition reporter. Just, you'll, you'll take on Villa today for me, please.
4: Sorry. What? How did Delaface
2: today? He, how did Willa yeah, do?
4: Yeah.
2: Before
0: yeah.
4: wow. you not... on time, down, your, you right. Oh. So but what can I say? Willa Villa had um, I think we were the better team. So um for 75 minutes for sure and opened up the the game in the last in the last um, 15 minutes because we, we lost rhythm a little bit, Willa changed offensively and all of a sudden there were some situations, half chances, situations um, were a bit tricky. Um, but for 75 minutes, we were at a clear better side. So I don't know exactly what that says about Villa uh, now, because I'm not so much in that. Uh, I, my job was today to make sure that we um, caused Villa a lot of problems, um, and I think we did that over 75 minutes uh, with the way we played. We could have been better in, 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 in the last, in the last around the last pass our decision making. There could have been better. Um, one or two bodies more in the box in one or two moments would have been helpful. But that's it. We go to Carl Markham uh, for the next couple of questions, and then that will be that without any more hands. Carl.
2: Yep. Stephen's tactics made it difficult for you. Did, you. did you say anything to him at the end? Do you have any words for him at the end?
4: No, he said, Congratulations, and I said, Thank you. <laughs> but what we want to be on the game, and it's not about um, uh, that we really um, have to talk a lot. Nothing will be. Will come between him and me so but around the games we are both pretty focused so that's the that's the idea of this game that you that when you can be the best friend with somebody um and when you play against each other you want to beat him anyway so um I had the situation with david wagner for example in the past and um the whole fuss around it was absolutely right and it, but it's there's one person but for him it's not so easy and that's stevie but then he is the Liverpool legend we cannot change that now and we shouldn't try to but um they did really well they obviously fought really hard for a result here today um so pushed by stevie so it's all fine and i like as well that we at the end got the three points anyway
0: okay and carl just before you ask your next question this will be the last press conference last question of the press conference we have no
4: other hands up. carl you look disappointed just, uh, but about it it's just
0: a remarkable Who cares? Want to ask questions? go
2: on
4: yes ma carl
2: he um, you seem to spend a lot of the matching discussion with the fourth official, you know, happy with some of the
4: no, decisions. No, not discussions, not discussions, talks. I have to say it was an incredible performance um, of the fourth official. I felt really well. And it's not about, he cannot make any decisions. So it's not that he will whistle or whatever uh, or stuff like this. He helps the ref from time to time, of course, when it's, when it's directly in front of our feet, So he was good in that as well. But we had conversations, no arguments. Uh, we've got Jonathan Northcroft, followed by... Yeah, Paul you found Joyce. Somebody. I did, yes. It's amazing. Thank you. Yes. yes. Jonathan. You don't have to, Jonathan. He does, yes. Go on, Jon. Okay, no, Jonathan's not turned on. Paul Joyce. We, can, we can't We can see it, but we don't need to. If you want to turn your...
1: There uh... you. go. Yes, Paul, we can see it. Um. Yeah, again, um Jordan Henderson's um, input in attacking areas, especially down the right, linking with Trent and Mo, has increased more and more in recent weeks. Um, he was involved in the goal today in getting the penalty. Is that something that you've worked on? Are, are You're asking him to do anything? <laughs> you know about me mis- <laughs> Yes. That-
0: no, yeah. no,
4: yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, thank you. I know you saw it, of course. Um, yeah, we worked on it. Not only on the right side, we have similar. We, we, we have similar things on the left side. I thought there were plenty of of, of top situations. Just the the, the formation is slightly different on the left side. Um, Thiago is not as as uh, as high in the, in the formation, so it's more um, um, with um, Sadio and Robo. But yes, George's position on that side is pretty flexible. Um, we just have to make sure that one of the three is thinks about protecting as well, but as long as we keep the ball, it's all fine. Yes. His role changed slightly. True. Okay. 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 Jonathan, and then I think we're finishing with Dave from that source. John. Hi, Juergen Um Hi. Think about most penalty. Uh, I mean sometimes when people are looking at the the number of goals that Players score. They say penalties don't count as much as other goals, but can you, can you sort of convey how important uh, his penalties are and how just the, oh. that coolness, the, the technique to score the way he regularly does in those situations? Oh, I, I tell you what. In a moment when you get a penalty, and I, I hate when people start celebrating in a moment because you, you, there's still uh, a, a shot and a possible goalkeeper save in between, um, and I'm really happy when, really, really happy, and think it's exactly the same difficulty and importance like each other goal. There are goals during a season which are much more easy than a penalty when you when you tap it in from two yards, a square ball or whatever. Um, so no, it's um if somebody says they don't count the same, I don't understand it. I think they count exactly the same and should always.
0: Fantastic. Last question, Dave Maddock,
4: and then we're done. Uh,
5: going Jürgen um... Hi. Hi. A couple of weeks ago, you you said that your side could defend better and you, you noticed some situations where, where they weren't, where you could improve. The last two games,
2: it's been 1-0. No shots on target today from Villa and, and I noticed that there was a lot of real high intensity defending later on in the game, higher up the
5: pitch. So is, is that something that, that maybe you've been working on the last few weeks?
4: Look, it's difficult for us, it's difficult for us to really work on it because our problem is that we obviously um, play all the time. So, but yes, we, we, we in the moments when a few moments when we have time, that's of course something we have to be completely committed as a squad to defending. So that's, that's our idea. And as long as, I mean, if this squad, this team, whatever, defense on highest level, and obviously have a chance to score a goal. If you don't do that, we need to score two, three, four, or whatever, and that makes no sense because that's not always possible. Um, and yes, that's something we absolutely worked on, and it's about it's about balance. It's about um, that offensively and defensively that you, you don't get too exposed, but you are. Ex- it's important that you are exposed because you need that you need the, the the spaces to to create. Space for other players and all these kind of things. So there's so many things you have to think about. Um, but the most important thing is that you are well protected, and um, because then you feel really free for offensive um, things. And I'm, I'm I'm really happy with that. Last 15 minutes, I'm not happy, but of course, how could I? Because we opened really the door for the game. But the 75 before, I, I found really they were absolutely outstanding, and so I'm really happy about the performance. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank if you. You'd
0: like to get the hands up now. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 1-0 win at Anfield at home to Aston Villa. Another stressful last 15 minutes, wasn't it? Villa got lots of bodies in the way um, in, in the dangerous areas and really were very, very frustrating for us in terms of our ability to get the first goal. Martinez in goal, solid, isn't he? I was, yeah. I mean, it got to the stage where I was thinking it's just not going to happen for us today. And yet, you know, we we see Liverpool rescue games in even more dramatic fashion than we managed today. Uh, It wasn't it wasn't quite last minute stuff, but it was it was pretty tense to survive that that bombardment that we undertook in in the last ten minutes, in particular there. I found myself unable to sit down in my bedroom as I watched this one here in Singapore, and uh, very satisfying results in the end. I must say, I think clearly we deserved the points though. Uh, John Matip had a superb game. I thought, um, underlying his position as uh, Virgil Van Dyke's right hand man, uh, he, 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 he <laughs> his little marches upfield. Well, they're not so little, are they? I wish he'd have a shot sometimes. It would be nice. He always tends to lay the ball off and never really makes a very good pass. It always it always seems to give the way give the ball away at that point. <laughs> I'd love to see him have a have a crack after one of these forty, fifty yard runs. Um Mo Salah deserves so much credit. It was there's no question it was a penalty. He's so quick, isn't he, to get his body between the defender and the ball. And it just leaves it just leaves the opposition no choice. I mean they're everyone's moving at such speed but because he gets there quicker it's very difficult not to bundle him over and and that's how the penalty was won but the ability to put that penalty away so very well off the inside of the post under all that pressure you know you could see him taking in uh, deep breaths and closing his eyes and just focusing probably visualizing scoring it's an under pressure, you know. It's it's a it's a moment of high pressure, and he he succeeded brilliantly, and we've come to rely on him to do that from the penalty spot, haven't we? Um, he's got a he's got a great record from there, and I think uh, marvelous to see once again. So pleased with the points. Um, just a quick word on Alex Oxley Chamberlain. I think it was a big show of faith from Jurgen Klopp to to put him there. Obviously, Davo Origi was injured, um, but I think. Diogo Jota probably could have started. Uh, um, I didn't hear anything to the contrary. Um, but my thinking was at the time, well, putting Ox in the false nine position is a good experiment, given that we're going to lose Sadio and and Mo at some point uh, due to the Africa Cup of Nations. But it, it didn't really work out, did it? I, I, I kind of go up and down on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. You know, when he he does score, they're usually very smart finishes. And I'm very pleased for him when it goes well. But I think it probably doesn't go well more times than it does. And I've mentioned his body language before. He looks fairly despondent. And I think when he got the hook, you could tell that he he realized that this was a big opportunity. There was a lot of trust shown in him by Jurgen in an important game against difficult opposition, and he he didn't he didn't make enough of his opportunity. He didn't have a bad game, but he was quiet and there's not nearly enough penetration. And you could immediately see when Jota came on that the pace was ramped up, the the sense of urgency was higher, the penetration was there. Jota whose finishing was not spectacular today but gets in the opportunity to at least have the effort on goal even in the short space of time that he was on the field the same for minamino when he came on he worked tremendously hard not necessarily creating attacking opportunities but defending from the front he did a great job and um you know we all know that that div probably not probably not as talented and this is a you know this is a discussion it's probably not as simple as the way I just made it out to be, but not obviously as talented as Ox is in in certain areas, but Div gets the goals and I think Ox is being pushed further down the pecking order. And um I, again I have to say I can't see him staying at Liverpool. I think he'll I think he'll get through the transfer window in January, but I don't think he'll he'll be with the club for the start of next season. I think he's he's getting a bit tired of the way things are going you can see from you know his his facial expression and his body language as i've said uh, i think we're probably looking at his last season he's been unlucky with injuries and uh, he has looked he has looked very good from time to time during his time at Anfield but i think we're we're witnessing the last few months but there's still plenty for him and the club to achieve this season it's continues to be a very tight premier league title race Oh, yeah I, I, I see Chelsea perhaps falling away at some point and City not looking convincing you could say the same of us today maybe but I think we've got uh, we've got a great squad and I, I really think we can keep going and and make this one uh, a year to remember at Gulasahi on Twitter G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I
0: Mike Holt from Go The Match podcast with my review on Liverpool 1 Aston Villa 0 uh, thank God that one's over Um didn't enjoy that in the absolute slightest especially the last 15 minutes um reds do it always but they never do it easy (laughs) um um, where do we start with that one um not the most thrilling game of football you're ever going to watch especially the first half um there is to say in that first half is that the referee is pretty suspect that he's got referee tagged to his name because tell you what he made some horrific decisions throughout the ninety, but especially in that first half, we were getting nothing off him. Um, but in a way, that kind of worked in our favour for the crowd, because it almost felt like a European atmosphere. That for you know a three o'clocker on a Saturday, it did have a European atmosphere to it. Maybe that was to do with um, the result being cagey um, and the way that Villa played, um, possibly. But you know, I mean, touch on the way that Villa played. Steven Gerrard looks like he's getting his uh, Sam Allardyce tactics out there. You know, fair play to them because Gerrard knows how to frustrate an Anfield crowd um, more than anyone. Um, But I think that kind of worked out against him in the end because it only got our our backs up. Um, You know, it finishes 1-0, but arguably we have, you know, a couple of great chances, especially in that last 25 minutes from Salah, Mane and Jota when he comes on um, to just seal the game. But like I say, we never make it easy, do we? Um, unless we're playing old, uh, United Old Trafford or Everton at Goodison Park. Um, but, you know, that notwithstanding, um, you know, I'm, it, obviously the lead-up to the game is all about Gerrard coming back to Anfield. Bored me to life, so, you know... Uh, at least we haven't got to talk about that anymore you know got his applause and that was it game was on and you know he was he was there um, set up his team to get a result um, you know I think on the opposition I think he'll do really well with them to be fair I think he's got a good little squad there but um, in terms of the Reds you know we put a pretty much full strength team out apart from um, arguably jota not in the lineup. but obviously he's had that knock and training. and Felt a bit sorry for Oxley Chamberlain because, you know, the games that he has played and played really well, he's been playing from midfield so that he can run past uh, midfielders and defenders and, you know, he can beat players where, because he was in that front three, he, more or less, he was out on the touchline or he had his back to goal. So, you know, he, he sort of did a job for us there today. Um So I felt a little bit sorry for him, but... Key mentions for, I think, Tiago. I think we're really seeing him flourish in this team, playing along, alongside Henderson and Fabinho. You know, he's got his run of games now. Touch Woody can keep fit. Um, I think we're really starting to see the money that we paid for him um, reap rewards. Alisson had a few dodgy moments. Um, at the back especially, we, you know, we looked um, a bit cagey towards the end. But I think... I think that was more a credit to villa you know sort of throwing the kitchen sink at us more than anything um and it's just one of them you know it's chelsea obviously got that late winner and city you know scampered away with a win so it was just so important for us to get our own three points um and and keep up there with them boys Uh, that was the main thing you know i'd i'd have took it i'd have took a goal off someone's backside in the last minute or and you know another Divac Urigi special just to get the three points and you know that's all we've got in the end um, and we keep going we keep going to the next game with the next same mentality of getting the next three points um, so you know that was the main thing you know we haven't got to, listen to Gerard coming back to Anfield in the build up of the next game which I'll find less tedious so the Red Men come away with a win uh, and a very important one of that.
5: Another very important three points for Liverpool and Anfield against Aston Villa, followed on from the the results at Wolves, the late winner. But I must say, in both of the games, I thought Liverpool had been absolutely outstanding. I did have the, the thought process at the start of the year. I felt Liverpool, obviously, coming off the back of a season which the... It was a struggle overall compared obviously to recent seasons and a lot of that had to be factored in. and the massive problems they had in the structure of the team and players being unavailable. We know all the reasons for that. But going into this season, I did worry. I thought to myself that momentum, that great air of confidence and almost invincibility that Liverpool had, had built up over Jurgen Klopp, I wondered if it had just been eroded by obviously what was a challenging season. One, that ultimately, I mean, let's make no bones about this, Liverpool did fantastically to finish in in third place with all the issues they had. However, there was a vulnerability within the team and and there was definitely a confidence sapped that inner belief that this team at times, over the the two previous seasons, with the points totally amassed, I think at some stages, the the greatest in, in British football history or there, thereabouts and, and European football as well. Obviously they, they dropped below that level and it was really interesting to me. I did have reservations about how they would fare this season and in the early weeks of the season I was of the belief that Liverpool will probably out of their peak cycle in terms of obviously the players they have and the, the previous achievements that they had made as a side together and a group of players who'd been together for a long period of time. But what I would say is, over the last few weeks, and especially these last two performances in the Premier League, and, and you can throw Everton to that as well, the level of control that Liverpool have shown in them games is very reminiscent of when they were at that absolute maximum, absolutely dominant in games, territorially, almost suffocating the opposition into their half giving up very little on their own goal and getting in pre- plenty of threatening areas and creating plenty of chances, touches in the opposition box. The expectation that goals will be scored because of the amount of, of ball they have in that final third. And I felt Liverpool were lacking that a lot at the start of the season. I felt there was a bit of a disjointedness to Liverpool's game, a bit of a uh, almost chaos within their play. Now, not chaos in relation to most of the other teams in the premier league still there was a high level of control but in relation to what liverpool had been in the past i felt games were too topsy-turvy i felt liverpool were too e- easy to play through and it was t- it was turning games into i wouldn't say a basketball game but certainly games reminiscent of klopp's sort of when he first came into the role um and took on the role at liverpool it was very much that liverpool could could really hate teams in the final fair, but also teams could really hate Liverpool. And sometimes it was a flick of a switch, sorry, a, a toss of a coin, which team would come out on top. And I felt there was too much of that at Liverpool at the start of this year. And, you know, I always caveated the fact that Liverpool were having to get the structure back, having players who'd been, been out for a period of time and players playing in the more natural positions. So that was always going to be a factor. But I did worry. The drop-off in some of the players from last season may carry on into this and they may not be able to reach them heights again. But I must say the coordination of the team in the last few weeks has given me great confidence that Liverpool can really challenge on all fronts this season. And although you'd look at the games against Aston Villa and Wolves in isolation in terms of the results and you'd think to yourself, you know, 2-1-0 wins, one secured very late and one secured via a penalty. Liverpool were absolutely dominant in them games and if you look at the underlying figures throughout them two games and if you'd watched it physically on the eye, you'd know that this is a really, really good team entering the the peak of the season at this moment. And I think if you were an opposition player coming off that field to play against Liverpool today, you, you wouldn't have felt a second on the ball. You'd have felt Liverpool were always turning the ball over and then when they had it, we're in surrender and possession with diligence in the way they were building up the game and getting into really good areas, being patient with the ball. And I suppose the only thing you could label at Liverpool in both games is the final decision, the final pass or the final execution of the shot has not been at the level in which it has been for the rest of the season, really, because the actual output of Liverpool's front players has been absolutely outstanding. And I suppose the scary thing is they could have had even more goals... Throughout the season. I mean, Jota's miss at uh, well, Wolves and he, he miss one at Aston Villa today means that, you know, if they're getting the numbers, the forward players, which are almost record breaking numbers as a collection of players, and, you know, you're coming away thinking to yourself, you know, they, they should have more goals, then really it, it tells you how well Liverpool are playing, really. I wanted to pick out one individual today because even though I felt it was an excellent team performance, and the distances were absolutely fantastic for Liverpool in and out of possession. The, the interchanges in possession, I felt it was just an all-round fantastic team display. Listen, in the last 10 minutes, obviously Aston Villa came into the game and I suppose Liverpool made some rash decisions in terms of what they did with the football and that can always be improved. But on the whole, over 80 minutes, that was a, a totally one-sided fixture. But yeah, the, the, the one individual I wanted to point out, and I felt he was man of the match today, yeah, amongst some of our really good performances was Joel Matip, who every time I've seen him play for Liverpool since the, the day he signed, I can count on one hand the number of bad games he's had. And I think whilst there's unequivocal, in my opinion, that Virgil van Dijk is the best centre-half in world football, Matip is such an excellent partner for him. And his problem, of course, as everyone knows, has just been putting a consistent run of games together on the field of play. But now he is the level he's playing at I mean he's got everything really that you'd want in a top class centre half I mean you look at him obviously such a a massive size he's dominant in the air I think he's in one of the the top percentiles in terms of aerial duels within not only the Premier League but in European football so a massive advantage in terms of when balls are lifted into the penalty area in general play when they're arch forward he's going to deal with them but it's everything else he has as well I mean even on the ball so adept at breaking lines in terms of his passes has a real punch to his passes when he plays in, good the scars on them as well in terms of head movement to play forward and and not play the obvious pass. He can stride into midfield and break lines that way, commit players and then open up different avenues for for players who are higher than him up the the field of play. And then you'd also look at him, and this is quite unusual for a player of that size. And I suppose this lends itself to Van Dijk as well. But so mobile, you know, you, you never see him get outrun. You never feel that he's in a problem whenever he gets into a foot race. He judges his distances very, very well, very considered. You know, if you think about one of the, the Liverpool players who used to give me heart attacks, and still to this day, I don't know how he survived at Liverpool that long, in Lover Lover, everything about his game was rash. He was always trying to be on the front foot, but making reckless decisions or making decisions... He maybe say ten every ten decisions he might make eight great ones and two bad ones that was the way he played but Matip's very considered everything's about time and distances delaying the opposition and it's just an all round fantastic package and a, and a great partner for Van Dijk and at times today again you know there was just a couple of areas that Aston Villa got into and I, I felt Matip was stretched at times in terms of being the player who had to deal with the situations but he just dealt with them so well and so with so much assurance and by being able to have all them attributes, just allows Liverpool to provide that territorial dominance, being able to play high up the field, and knowing that everything that comes towards Van Dijk and Matip will be dealt with confidently and and literally just hoovered up by the pair of them. And I just wanted to, to give a mention to him today because I think everyone's aware he's a fantastic player, but I think when you know, you're talking about you know, you throw out lists, and if you were to ask them, the majority of people who are the best defenders in the Premier League or best defenders in Europe, his name wouldn't get a mention. And he is right in the, in, in the in the conversation. There's not many who you would swap Matip with on, on the list of players who are playing at elite level. So overall, obviously, that's the individual mention for Matip. But overall, Liverpool are playing fantastically at the moment, as well as they have done in a good year and a half and it's it's really positive to see going into a hectic period of fixtures.
0: You've been listening to the post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.